You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are here with the living legend, the incredible Tracy Lawrence. Hello. And I just started this without recording it, so I'm glad you Take know. Two. Just check that out. Yep. But and I was saying though, how does it feel to be the person when they come up to you? They're like, "Man, you're the reason that I love country music." I think as I've gotten older after all these years in it and uh, you look back and reflect over it, there's so much you take for granted as a young person, especially mm. when when the machine starts. And, Did it start and, for you right away? You know, I, I have probably one of the most unique stories. Let me finish this thought and I'll okay, come back okay, to that. Okay, okay. As I look back over all those years, uh, I, you take a lot for granted as you're younger mm-hmm. and then you realize that uh you know you have have a string of hits and then you're like on this machine and everything's you're cranking it out and out year and you drop the four singles and and then you realize that uh that's really not normal mm. and then you go through some dark periods you know a couple of divorces mm. and some mm. problems in your career and all these things and and then as you get to a later stage in life and you've kind of stuck it out through the hard times and you really understand how special the whole thing is and how few people actually get to enjoy that ride and it and I think you start to appreciate the fans more. At least that's the place that I got to where I really do uh, actually love it. Uh, you know, get burnt out like everything else, but I but I don't take it for granted like I used to. I really do appreciate it a lot. Did you know that you were so profound and had so much wisdom about life when you sang Time Marches On? Did you already know that? Because <laughs> I mean, know, that's like the song for life. Like you just basically said what that song kind of says. You know, the, and, and I think that is probably the best lyric that I ever recorded. It's, that's like but, a perfect song. But... You know, the, there was one reason that I recorded it Why? was just for the shock factor. 
because smoking pot smoke smoking a, dope. smokes a lot of dope and i knew that that was either going <laughs> to strike a quarter because you got to understand the mentality of radio back then i had stations in the country that would not play if the world had a front porch because i said the word cuss I didn't say a cuss word. I said the word. What year was this? That would have been 93, 94. Man, That was that changed. album before Time Marches Time On. Time so Marches I said, On. It changes, doesn't it? But I realized, too, that, that you know, Hank Jr. had a huge career, and I don't think he ever had a number one record. You know, Jimmy Luffett, Jim, what Jimmy Buffett's done, uh, the only number one, run, one record he ever had was the duet with Alan Jackson, and he has a massive career. So I, I realized that, that sometimes there's something fun about Shock Factor or having a novelty or something that works in your favor uh, and just kind of roll with it. The, you know, it's a, it's, it's a journey. Did you know it was that? So you didn't even know how profound that song was? I knew the lyric was great, uh, but I appreciated the rest of it. Yeah. But you know, the the craftsmanship of a guy like Bobby Braddock, who is truly oh, an yeah. American poet, yeah. wrote it by himself, you know, to say that multi, much about multiple generations of a family in a three-minute song is yes. absolutely amazing. And to be able to vividly paint those pictures with words. Where everyone can understand such, it. Such a skill set, you know. Yes. But this, think about this, though. That was my dad's least favorite song. Daddy hated Why? that song. And I never thought about this. And we talked about it right before he died. He... People's mindset, if you think about it, they think that the songs that I sang on the radio when my career was really hot were very personal, and that was my life, and that was what was going on. So I talked about my daddy having a girlfriend in another town, oh. and he had to live with that for years. Oh, my God. It deeply, well, was it true? No. But he was It like, deeply oh. affected his life, and he was he bitter about it. He felt like everyone's going to think this yes. about him because and he you're was a the banker singer. in our little town. I mean, he was the vice president of the little bank in a town oh. of 900 people where I grew up. Did you have to go and tell everybody it's not about him? No. I mean, I never understood why he didn't like it until right before he passed away. How did you finally understand? He, he and I had a long conversation. Clear he never about told him. you? No, no. Why didn't he, he tell you? He was just you? a very guarded internal person. So he was just internal. So he struggled yeah. with your career mm. accidentally. Yeah. And he was trying not and I, to. And I would have never thought about it when I picked songs like that. I never thought the ramifications that, that something like that could have happen on my family and people that I loved. Whoa. What did you think about when you were picking songs? You know, I... Uh, I had this really crazy method of the way that I went through picking songs back in the day because we would get uh, mailboxes from Atlantic. The A&R department would collect thousands and thousands of songs, and I and I would do a lot of my own A&R work too, but I listened to everything. So I got this system where I would start with a, a box of cassettes, basically is what everything came on back then, and I had a cassette player that had a VSO in it so I could control the speed. I could speed it up, slow it down, and I would spend – each day when I was listening through records, I would go through everything in that basket. Anything that I liked, I'd mark it and put it aside. If I didn't like it, if it, if something was redundant about an opening line or I got bored before it even got to the course, I scrapped it and moved on. At the end of the day, I would go through and I would work out a rough sequence and I would make a comp tape of all those with the speed that I thought I wanted it. And then I would listen to, over and over and over and over to the burn factor. And then the next box I would go through, I would do the same thing. When I would burn things, burn out on songs, I'd kick them out. And by the time I got down to where I was ready to cut that album, I would have about 15 to 20 songs. I would have the record sequenced. I would know the tempos I wanted the songs in. And, and if I didn't hook something, I had something else to back it up. I would go in completely prepared by the time I got in the studio. How long did that process take? Oh, it would take months. 
but I would I would work on that burn factor. So when burn I, factor? What do you mean? Burns you out? Yep. See how long it took me to burn out on the song. Okay, so, so you I tried would listen. I listen to that out. comp tape over and over and over and, and whichever over. Whichever was you burned out fast on. But what if it was a big hit that just burned you out fast? Did you never had that? No, happen. your song, and that's why your songs never, never burn out. Never <gasps> had that burn. Wait, hold on. I, I, I tried to burn me out of them before I'm you ever heard. I'm having an aha moment. That's why your songs are classics and timeless because you don't burn out of your songs. Holy shit. Even with my own writing. I did Holy my own writing shit. the same way. It I had to fit the picture. Away. And I don't know anybody that had that particular system that was just my own creative process. So you had to love it. You had to feel it. And, and I had to, to live with it for a while. And you had to be able to live with it for a while and not burn out of it. And I still enjoy singing Sticks and Stones every wow. night after 30-something years. What do you love? Is it just the way it feels or is it the lyrics? The is it, it different? Feels. You know, and I've had drummers. This frustrating to me. Everything had to be something you could dance to for me because I grew up a bar a bar guy, and the whole thing with bar bands is you got to keep people on the dance floor. If they don't dance, they don't drink beer. They don't drink beer, you don't come back. Mm-hmm. And I and I found a lot of those. So so as I go back through my repertoire, you listen to a lot of things on that Sticks and Stones record. They were influenced by a lot of the stuff that I was cover songs that I was playing as I was developing my sound when I was a kid. Yeah. Wow. How old were you when you got into this whole thing? And how did it happen for you? You know, when I came to Nashville, this is, I've told the story, but, but people are shocked. They really don't believe how fast this happened. I moved to Nashville in the fall of 1990. It was the 1st of September. I'd never been here before. I had a beat up old car. I played my last club gig in Louisiana and they took a collection at the door. I had $700 in my pocket. So that was it? That's that what was you came it. with? I came with nothing, with no no desire to ever go back. I'm coming to say I've dreamed about being here my entire life. You just knew this was your dream? September, first week of September, I got to Nashville. I started going to every club that had an open mic night where they had songwriters and road musicians. There was a hand, about, about five or six of them around. And they had weekly contests where if you won, you win 100 bucks. But then you couldn't be, you couldn't win that one for another four or five weeks. So I'd make the rounds and I'd make enough to pay them bills and gas money. By December of 90, I wound up at a, a supper club over in Kentucky called Live at Libby's in Daysville, Kentucky. WBVR in, in uh, Kentucky broadcast back into Saturday night back into Nashville. And it was like an Opry-style show, so they'd have a house band, and then all the young kids would get up and do a couple songs, and then they had their headliners after the intermission, and they had their George Jones impersonator and their Johnny Cash impersonator, and you get the whole thing. And I was there in December. Some executives from Atlantic and the guys that eventually became my managers came to see somebody else that was on the show uh-huh. and liked me better. In January... <laughs> I went to the Bluebird and did my first showcase for Atlantic. They agreed to sign me. In May of 91, I signed the contract the day I walked in the studio to cut Sticks and Stones. It was seven months. And, and I did, did you knock on it right out the gate? Number one, right out of the box. Well, wait, what was your first number one? Six Sticks and, and Stones mm-hmm. was your first number one. And then right after that, what came next? I had Sticks and Stones. I had three number ones on top five off that record. Okay, what were they? What was the order? Uh, Sticks and Stones, Today's Lonely Fool, uh, Somebody uh, Somebody Paints the Walls top five, and then Run Behind was the fourth, and it was number one. And then came behind it with alibis with four number one records. Oh. Seven months from the time I rolled it in town. I never knocked on a door, never went to it, uh, never did demos, never sung demos, didn't do any of that shit. Okay, so I need to talk to you about this because everybody has different theories about everything. I think everything has to do with an energy field that you're in. Like, I think that, like, stuff happens based on, like, some sort of energy field. So, like, what energy field were you in? What mindset were you in? Were you intimidated? Were you confident? Did you know when you came to town that, like, you were 
It was destiny. Awesome. It was destiny. Did you know this was going to happen? I believed with everything in my being that this was what God put me here to do. How did you know that? What does that feel like? How did you have the confidence to like go all out? I, I don't know. I just always, and, and I, I basically had this my entire life. I remember feeling this way when I was 10, 11 years old. Like you weren't scared to get up and sing in front of people because no. you knew this but was. I was singing in church and stuff when I was four or five years old. I remember in kindergarten when my mother remarried, my stepdad raised me, the guy we were talking about earlier. Uh, I remember we were in kindergarten. There were three little kindergarten classes. And at Christmas time, they had put several little bulletin boards around, probably four or five or whatever. And each one of them was a Christmas theme. And so she broke the class up in different little groups where there's three or four kids in each one. I was in every group because I could carry a tune and I could sing. I was the face of every single group in, when I was five. What was your personality like? Oh, very outgoing, very rambunctious. I think I got a whipping every day in, in kindergarten. You weren't I, th- I think I was in the hall every day. Were you nervous about life or anything? You know, uh, I did have, you know, there was, that's a whole deep rabbit hole. You know, uh, my mom and biological father divorced when I was very young and I had no contact with him. I never saw him or anything until I was like 19. So there was some confusion. There were some issues. Uh, like we all, you know, we all do. that fueled life. you? I think trying to prove uh, that I was uh, had worth to my stepfather, mm. and there's a long story in there that that led to getting to that point. I always felt like I was, you know, he looked like I wasn't as good as his kids were, mm-hmm. and I I did use that as fire. Mm-hmm. I used it as fuel in the gas tank because I was determined that I was going to prove them all wrong. I think that that is a good way to use those feelings. And I and that's what that frustrates me so much about what I see in society nowadays. I could have blamed everybody else for for anything. Totally. You know, we all have we all have bad things happen to us in our life, but if you can find a way to use it to motivate you. Yes. Take the bad and make something good out of it and don't let anybody deter you and you can achieve anything you want in this world. And don't get like okay, so how do you when you're stuck? Okay, cuz I'm sure you've had some moments where you had some highs and then there's always a dip after a big long string oh, of highs. Yeah. So when you hit the dip and when it does feel like things aren't in your favor and it does feel like things aren't fair or whatever what do you do to how do you what mindset do you get into and how do you get crawl out of it because like i can get stuck at holes and then i have to actually use some tools to get myself out of there how do you know that time's gonna march on sorry i keep coming back to it but believing that it's gonna work out it's gotten easier as i've gotten older you know because as you get older you realize that everything's just a season Mm. And but but when you're a teenage kid or you're a young person, everything is just so overwhelming right now. It's like, you know, it's like, I just don't think I'm going to make it. And I remember feeling that way at times or feeling like I just didn't have direction and didn't know where I wanted to go uh, prior to coming to Nashville. Uh, but but once those wheels started turning, I mean, it, it was so fast that I just got consumed by this other world. But, you know, as you go through life, I, I feel like I've been able to navigate those waters after 30-something years in the business and and still be able to put the cowboy hat on and go be the people that think Tracy Lawrence on the records and on the videos and all that stuff was. You know, because they still see this guy with long hair, but I can dress down and I can go anywhere, anywhere. I travel alone. I fly alone. Nobody bothers me. I turn the switch off. I know how to turn it on and I know how to turn it off. So you're not just stuck in your successful no, country I don't, artists. I don't talk about myself in third person <laughs> even when you walked in like you walked in this house just so nonchalantly just like a regular old guy just like walking in the house just being normal but you don't you're like you're you're such a presence and you're so talented and you've changed country music and like i said people are like you're the reason i love country music but that's not 
I don't feel like that is what you fully hang your hat on. No, 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 no. You know, and, and for a long time, it really was. Uh, it, it was everything that I was about. And I thought, you know, I've got to cut songs that are reflective of what's going on in my personal life. And, you know, I, I see, you know, uh, Morgan Evans and Kelsey and Kelsey going through the whole thing. So they're airing their laundry with their songs and their writing. I was kind of guilty of some of that too. How because, do you feel about that? What do you feel about airing your laundry and your divorce? You know, I don't have the right to say anything to, uh, judgmental about them. For I you just personally. identify it. I don't, I, I don't have to do that anymore because it's not all of who I am. Which songs were directly related to like? Oh, the heartbreak songs and things. And it seemed like sometimes I would even create drama just to fit the narrative of the song. I mean, it caused really? me a lot of problems in my personal relationships. You know, it was really. It, but you got to realize I was the guy growing up that would answer your question with a lyric from a song. Mm. I was that wrapped up in it all the time. It's all I thought about. What? How would you consider your persona? Like when you're all when you were wrapped up in it, how would you describe yourself? Oh, cocky. <laughs> Yo, uh, don't you kind of have to be, though? To a degree, but there's a, there's a bad cocky and there's a good cocky. You know. I, did, I think, when did you learn the difference? Oh, divorce will do that to you. When you get knocked down and, and the industry kind of turned on me for a while and had, having to climb back out of that, you know, you make some poor decisions. Uh, but, you know, it's just part of the process. And I, and I still am close with some of my peers from that time frame. And, you know, I, I still see some of them trying to come out of it because they've, some, some of the guys have never had to go through really bad problems or any diversity in their careers. And uh, they seem to still be holding on to that, that bravado. And, they, and, and I, it's almost at times I, they, I feel like they've forgotten where they come from a little bit. So do you kind of think that it's maybe not a bad thing to get knocked down? I don't think it is. It's it's not it's it's not uh, the fall. It's the getting back up. How do you get back up? Because I feel like I've been through a few of those now. I'm turning forty this year, and it's like <sighs> I feel like now it's like I can feel it when I'm on on a high. I can feel it when I'm on a low. And when I'm in a low, I'm like, oh, shysters, here we go again. I gotta get back out of this. How do you get out of it? Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it's different every time it depends on the circumstance you know uh, like wouldn't say like whenever your first knock in your career came what was the first yeah, knock okay, in your so, career so i'll i'll even i'll even get really personal with you okay we, good. i love to get personal some, we've had some uh obviously raising kids is a challenge and and i've made a lot of mistakes and uh sometimes you you fall back on what you knew as a child and how you were raised and yeah. obviously we live in a different day and age and and i've been guilty of responding to my children like my stepfather responded to me because it's, you know, it's, it's what, what you know it's what i knew and uh, it's it's caused some problems with my kids and instead of me seeing myself and them i haven't dealt with it very well because i just i didn't i didn't have the maturity to understand it and i let my anger get the best of me and i actually went to a treatment facility not too awfully long ago Way to and go. And it's, it's been a couple of weeks. That's amazing. And went through the whole purging process of really trying to get down and let some things go that I didn't realize I was holding on to. How'd that it was feel? very freaking liberating. I oh. mean, it was, it, was, it was painful, and I fought it. Uh, but, but you realize, you go back and you realize that there's a lot of stuff that you've developed in your personality and things that have happened to you that in a man's world, you just, just push it down. Mm -hmm. Just push it down. Just push it down and go on. And I really learned to not take all that stuff so seriously. Because we but like it took internalize me it in our bodies, too. Oh, it, it affects everything that you do. Health. It does. Your sleep patterns, the way you eat, your your motivations, your your consciousness, just the way you're able to focus on things and multitask, it affects everything. Way to go. Yeah. 
It sucked. It sucks to get healthy. It sucks. It's a pain in the ass. Like, I've done so much work on myself and gone to so much therapy and done so many, like... But there's no shame in that. And I, you know... It's exhausting. I'm like, when is it ever going to stop? You know, it's... uh, But there's... there's, uh, going through traumatic experiences, you know, you hear so many people throwing PTSD around like it's a bag of M&Ms these days. And, and uh, we didn't even have those terms, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, and going through a mugging and a lot of stuff that I went through back then, I, I never got, got mugged. I never got the mental health that I needed. I didn't. I, I just shoved it down. I, yeah. Moved on. Oh, you didn't know that? The night that I finished the background vocals on Sticks and Stones, I got mugged on Music Row and got shot four times. You yeah. got shot yeah. four times? Yeah. Where? Through the knee and the hip and the hand where I hit the guy in the mouth and grabbed the gun. You hit the guy in the mouth and grabbed the gun? three of them. They were trying to take somebody. They were going to rape a girl that was with me. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what? how did it this not go down? The, uh, she got away, and uh, they all turned on me and emptied a couple of pistols on me. Wow. Yep. So, and that was right when uh, the album I was I just finished the recording process. They were, weren't even done mixing, but I I never dealt with the trauma of it. I was so focused on I got to get back. I got to get back. I'm going to lose my slot if I don't get healthy mm-hmm. enough to get an album package shot and do the things that I need to do. Somebody else is going to be in there, and I'm never going to get another chance. And I never I never dealt with any of that stuff. And it and it caused a lot of anger and it would resurface from time to time when the stress would get bad and it caused problems in marriage and cost it just it spirals. Mm-hmm. There's it's just so much. And and so my advice is never not take the time to get the help that you need. Oh man. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I feel like that is like a generation. Like I feel like like my parents and stuff too. I mean, my dad always jokes. He's like, I I can't even start with therapy because if they crack this open, I would just die. That's what scared <laughs> me about going. It's like I don't want to go do this. I don't, there's some stuff stuff down there. I don't want to remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, just don't open up stuff. That don't need to be opened up. But I, I think we throw all that stuff around too much nowadays. People's skin is way too thin nowadays. They get upset by way too much stuff. It's uh, you know when the real stuff hits, whew, it's gonna be bad because mm-hmm. nobody knows how to deal with any of it. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Okay, so you've had over 30. Wait, how long has your career been? Let's see, 22 years. So the first single came out, I think, August of 91. Okay, 91. Mm-hmm. You've had 18 number ones, mm-hmm. Grammy nominated. You've had how many albums? Uh, 16, 17, 16, 17, something like that. You probably toured everywhere with everyone in oh. every different type of situation you could possibly yeah. be in. I'm sure you've met some of the most influential people in the world, mm-hmm. had dinner with them, drank cigars. Yeah. You've done the private jets. You've done it all. What, how does it all shake out? Like, you know, because everyone's always like, when I get there, then it, like, I just got to, like, you know, everyone gets on that hamster wheel. I just got to get here. I got to do this. I got to go, go, go. What? Okay, so you've had it. You're that person. Done it all. And you walk in like you're just a regular person. So what is it? What is it like when you get all the things you could ever dream of? Does it answer oh, the prayers? No, not really, because that money don't buy happiness. I would rather have money without the fame. <laughs> right? It's tough. Yeah, fame sucks. Yeah, and, and, and fame without the money would suck even worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, because... Tell me why, in your because, because you have to deal with all the pressures and everything, but you don't have the resources to protect yourself from So you kind of need the money when you're famous. You Absolutely. need more money because you need bigger resources. I mean, for instance, it's this okay, little Olivia, Olivia Olivia Dunn, this little gymnast from LSU. You know who she is? Okay. No, but I Okay, so she, uh, she, uh, she's uh, their, their gymnastics team. I think they just finished four the nationals they just finished up this little girl has like eight million tiktok followers she's bringing down about two and a half million dollars a year and she's got just hordes of these young boys they had to hire security for her at lsu to follow them to gymnastic meets because they were so overwhelmed by all of it these boys were out of control Mm. so but she's getting money with it but it's still at a young age without the tools or the mindset being able to handle all of it so you got all these young influence i don't know you got all these young influencers that are out there that that are having money that really don't know how to deal with it and don't have a support network of anybody around them to show them how to deal with it uh you know are you you know some of these guys are making just tons of money but they're just jerks right so where, where is the balance at when it comes down to it i think it's more important to be a good human being and to give back to society and 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 that doesn't mean that you're trying to be perfect or not trying to make mistakes or trying to forget what you learned or the stuff that you screwed up over life. I mean, just be a genuine person and learn from what you've gone through. Right. Money can't do that. It really can't. You know? And like, I feel like there's some moments where, you know, it's really fun. Oh, it's always fun. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a lot easier to. Here's another perspective. You know, everybody says, you know love to have money how many times do you see these people win hundreds of millions of dollars in a lottery ticket or whatever the next thing you know their marriage is destroyed they've lost everything they right. have they've lost all their money um so what is success then in that point you know what if, if you don't work for it it doesn't mean anything 
And if you because don't it's have, really not about the money. Yeah. And and the tr- some of the truly most successful people that they get old and and you say, why do you keep working? You got hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank because it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. It's about the intellectual challenge of being able to continue to be successful. It's like moving pieces on a chessboard, and and that's a big part of what I think true success is, is how is being able to continue to thrive and and have a business mind and be successful and to try different ventures and to move forward with other things that are intellectually stimulating to you. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that because I don't want to be one of these guys that just says, oh, I'm retired, I'm done, I'm going to go play golf or I'm going to – That's there's no challenge in that. Mm-hmm. There's not. Uh, I want to move on to other things. Uh, I don't – I'll never stop doing what I do, but I want to do things that are challenging on another level. I think most people do. Have you ever wanted to quit? Because – No. Never? No. Never. Even even in the worst times, never wanted to quit. It, it's had its challenges. I've gone from at times from having three or four buses and running a pack of semis to haul back down on one bus with a band. Is that humbling? Uh, very humbling. What do you do about getting humbled? Because a lot you of just just knuckle down. And you remember why you were there in the first place. And what is that? Oh, I just wanted to sing music right on the bus. <laughs> That's all I ever wanted to do. But life is yeah. going to humble us, isn't it? Yeah, and just when you start to get a little big for your britches, <laughs> which is things that family said to me when I was growing up, you get a little big for your britches there. Uh, God will knock you down. Yeah. Oh, man, I know, I know. And then I feel like, I think you said it gets easier as you get older. Is that just because you've gone through more of them? I just think that you're able to block out more of the distractions. You know, you're not you're not out chasing waitresses in the bars. You've got a steady home life. You've got so many things that are stabilized in your life that you don't give yourself opportunity to get distracted as much. Uh, I go to bed at an earlier, earlier hour. I don't require, I get up earlier. You know, there's a lot of the things that, that were priority to me 20 years ago that, that are not even a consideration now. I have more time to focus on more creative things and business ventures and doing other things that are interesting to me. What fills your bucket? So obviously you love music and great music and singing and performing, but what are the things that you need to have in your bucket to be full? Hmm. You know, religion is a flowing thing for me. My wife is a prayer warrior, and she she tries to keep me on task. But that's an ebb and flow thing for me. I, I'm a I'm a believer, but I'm a, I, I I believe what I believe in my own way. And that's I don't how I believe am. you can put that in a box and put a cross on top of it and call it religion. That doesn't work for me. I don't think we have to though, do we? I don't think we have to either. Uh, you know, I I value my old friends, mm. and I spend a lot of time nurturing them. Uh, find out who your friends are. I mean, seriously, that's a true song, isn't it? It is. But but sometimes just a handful of people from back home uh, and a handful of buddies from college. You know, and I've made some great friends along the way, but those old ones you're never going to make again. What do you like about an old friend? Just the fact that they know everything about you. They know the true person that you are. They remember the kid that they used to run around town on bicycles with and hang the fishing pole off the handlebar of the bicycle and go fish ponds on the weekend, play baseball with. They remember all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, scrapping on the playground and, you know. And why is that so good to feel uh, that again? It's just, it's good to have those memories. They they just, uh, it's kind of a happy thing. It's like innocence and I, clo- like I can close my eyes right now and I can go back and remember playing a little league ball and remember games when I wasn't on the field chasing fireflies out in the outfield, you know, just, just silly things like that, you know. It's just those are comforting thoughts. When you're on stage doing a set, is there a moment in the set or a song that you hit that like you're like, oh, this is like, I mean, this is like your favorite moment. Like, is there like, have you had some moments when something just goes all over you and it's like beyond you? Yeah. You know, it's just different now. I wouldn't say it's completely autopilot, but I know where I get the responses. Which ones? 
Where? Uh, Sticks and Stones will get one. Alibis always gets a big one. So good. And I build those things in. Uh, find out who your friends are gets a big one. Mm. Paint Me a Birmingham is what I close, close with, and it gets a massive response. Okay, tell me why that one gets the biggest response. I don't know. I think it was just because I had been, it was after my second divorce. And so that I'd was kind of real. Ch- that was a real moment. For, for a while. And I think the way that, that I came back with such a massive record, I, I think the fans were kind of rooting for me. But it's the younger people that really gravitate to it. The thing that was special about that song is everybody thought I was just singing about Birmingham. They don't realize that, that it could be about, you, you can make that anything you want, but the song was really written about a style of house. Paint me a Birmingham. Paint me back into that picture of that time. There's it was written about a lake house. Really? But it can be about that moment in time. It could be about Birmingham, Alabama. But you can make it anything that you want. What is it That's to what, you? A big old record. <laughs> 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 Whatever you want it to be, baby. <laughs> oh, shit. Mm. That feels good. <laughs> Was that your biggest one? No. Okay, so I'm from Texas, and I always felt like you were seeing Texas Tornado just about me, and I feel like that's my personality. That was a big record, Was it too. about me? Just Would yes. you believe that was the one song that I really didn't want to cut? Why? I just didn't, I didn't, it just didn't land well with me, and I didn't like being forced to do things. Did you burn out on it? No, no, no. Let me tell you what I did. Okay, okay. So uh, I was wanting to start producing at the time, and uh, so I had... Uh, um, we had we'd been given an opportunity to do a song on the Maverick soundtrack and I mm, cut a song called so Renegades, good. Rebels and Rogues. Okay. And it was the first thing that I got to produce. And I would been working with James Stroud for years. And so Rick Blackburn, who was the head of Atlantic at the time, bought, brought me this Bobby Braddock song. Braddock wrote that same guy that wrote Time Marches On. Oh yeah. And so he brings it to me and he's really adamant about me recording this song. I'm like, I just don't know, Rick. I don't feel it. I don't want to like it. And I said, here, let me make a deal with you. You let me do three sides on this next record and I'll cut it for you. And I wound up producing Texas Tornado, as any fool can see, and a duet with John Anderson and two of my number one <laughs> records. Yeah. But I cut a deal. I had to give to get. So that was my bargaining chip that I used to be able to start producing my own music. Yeah. What's your favorite song to sing? Oh, gosh. I love I See It Now. I just oh, love the melody of it. It's one. just a, such a special song. I can't, some nights I can't do it. I'll, and I See It Now is how every woman wants their guy to feel about them when oh, they like yeah. were done so wrong. Yeah. And it's like, finally, too late, you asshole. But like, yes, thank God you finally see how wonderful I am. <laughs> Rest is so, Al Cooley was the head of A&R at the time. And I was so pumped about that song. And I took it to him. He said, I just don't understand what they're talking about with their dancing with their feet off the ground. I'm like, have you lost your fucking mind? <laughs> What do you not understand? He just didn't get it. He did, but you have to deal with those people sometimes too. But it turned out to be a massive wreck. Are you a hopeless romantic? I don't know. You sound like it in your songs. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I have my moments. Uh, I don't know. Maybe when I was younger, I used to love being in love. I'll put I it know, that way. Right? There was something about being in love that I, I always liked. I just didn't want to be in love with the same one very long. <laughs> What? But you finally settled down. How long have you oh, been married now? Twenty three years. Been with her twenty five years. What's the secret? She's a strong woman. <laughs> yeah, she's I believe a strong that. Woman. She is. I've been na- married now. We've been married. I don't even know. I think it's thir- No, it's. Not. I think we've been together thirteen years. Married nine or something. And I'm like, man, when you've really gone through things with someone, marriage is so much more than just like, oh my god, I have butterflies and stars and like. It's like when you make it through shit with somebody, 
We're past the butterflies and stars oh, crap. Yeah. We are. Now <laughs> yeah. we're to the place that, that we have a lot of equity in this relationship. Uh-huh. And there's a lot to work for. And it's not just the material things. It's the, the, the relationships that I you have as a couple. It's, it's so many other things around the peripheral. You would have to completely rebuild your life. And I see guys that get into their later years and they call it upgrading. I don't want to upgrade and try to act like I'm 30 years younger than I am. I want somebody that grew up with the same music that I did. And I want some Somebody that has been through the fire with me that even when we fight and we not might not talk much for a couple of days at a time i ain't going nowhere she ain't going nowhere that's just the way it is i get that yeah but there's 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 comfort in that of knowing that that after you've been together for a long time and, and physically things change from time to time you know you go through, you, seasons. You go, go through seasons the love is still deep and it's still there yeah. and it's something you can really be proud of because oh, yeah. you had to build like you said equity you, gotta, you, you, got, you can only get it by building it. Yep. And it's not always great. No. You know, it's not. But no. but people give up too quick. You know, and I, and I was guilty of that when I was young, too. I gave up too quick. But you learn as you go. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you're excited about this tour coming up with Gary Allen. I mean, that's going to be off the chart. You know, Gary, uh, I've, I've done shows with him over the, over the years, but we've never really gotten to be close friends. Uh, we have been in contact the last few months. I had to have uh, some neck surgery over the holidays. I had to have uh, some vertebrate fused together in my neck. I was having some uh, issues, little nerve problems all that stuff and gary had back surgery and so we started talking on a regular basis checking on each other seeing how we were and you know talking about production and stuff for the tour coming up so i'm really looking forward to spending time with him he's been through his own hell in life you know he's had some trials and tribulations and some terrible loss but the musically i think the thing that's exciting to me is that Musical styles are very different. We're still very country, and I still think our fans may overlap a touch, but he draws a completely different crowd than I draw. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a, Absolutely. And the pre-sales, it looks like the tickets are going to be tremendous for That's both of us. such a good point because y'all yeah. both are such strong artists, but with mm-hmm. different crowds combining, yeah. everyone's going to appreciate both of you That's what you look for. You know, it's like Tracy Bird and I toured together a lot, but Tracy and I draw the same crowd. Uh, okay. You know, so being able to go out with somebody that has a completely different flair that, uh. that carries their own weight that's just as stout that I have respect for. I think we're going to have a great time. That's going to be fun. And I'm hoping it's going to parlay into the fall and add some dates for us. So we'll kind of test the water here. But I think we're going to do more shows together. Who are you really liking these days? Like, who's coming out that you're really liking? You know, I had a chance to uh, work with Lainey Wilson. We went out with her and me and Justin Moore out right before the pandemic hit. And Lainey was opening with her, just her and acoustic guitar. And I saw that passion and that rawness and, and heard her story and, you know, the years of dedication and sacrifice that she had made to get where she's at. Love seeing somebody that truly has put the time in get success like what she's having, having right now. I have a lot of respect for her. Uh, golly, there's a uh, uh, what uh, Jackson Dean. I got a, got a chance to see him at the New Faces show this year. Curious to see what his full album is going to sound like. He's got a really unique, eclectic sound that's very cool. Uh, I love Jelly Roll as a human being. Jelly's, Jelly's turning he's a out cool to guy. be a good buddy. And he's been on your podcast. Mm-hmm. I love your podcast. Yeah. Let's see who else. There's. Uh, I hadn't had a chance to meet Parker McCollum yet, but he's, I really dig his he sound. He seems like a, just a cool guy. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to meet him. I, I'm really, you know, I went through several years where I was just really blocked off about it. It's like the whole bro country thing. All Dean and our friends and, and Luke, Brian, and all of us, you know, the whole bunch. And I appreciate success. There was just something that, that I just, 
I wanted to detach from because it wasn't real traditional country to me. And you that's know, even, yours. Even Florida George Line and all that, you know, and those guys were massive. They had huge records, and it's nothing personal. It just wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't resonate with it, you. It didn't resonate with me because there's only so many songs you can get excited about when they're singing about the tailgate of a down pickup truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it just escaped me. I feel like right now we're having a resurgence of what I feel like good quality writing is. I listened to Laney's record at the jam a few weeks ago. The imagery and the craftsmanship and the production mm-hmm. on that record is really good. And yeah. that's what I'm looking for now. I'm looking for more of complete packages. Somebody that's got the vocal chops that n- is not being dictated to by a record label about what they need to cut, but has the creativity and the talent to, to back up what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And and so there's quite a few young artists I see on the horizon that are going to be able to do that now. I just hope the labels don't homogenize it again like what I think has happened more than once where everything starts to sound the same. Right. Let artists have their own personality. I feel like personality is coming back into the industry. Yes. Again. I feel that way too. Mm-hmm. I feel that way because I am the same like I, I just get hooked on I'll just listen to Tom Petty all day every day. Like I just can't yeah. Let it go because, like, it's just like the melodies are so good, the lyrics are so good. You get a life lesson. It's like your music, too. It's like, oh, it's just so good. But then it feels like it went through the season where people just didn't want that. They just wanted what? Like, you know, something fast. Yeah. But it's like seasons again. It, it, and it ebbs and flows, you know. I, there's still times I want to go back and hear Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. or Van Halen, you know. I mean, there's, I, I love all the old stuff, mm-hmm. too. Or I want to go back and just turn on some old classic Glenn Campbell. And you know, I know, because that's all really good too. So what do we do about this? You know, um, that song. It's like video kill the radio star, yep. and then you know, it's like the next thing killed the next thing killed the next thing. So it's like, and I love like Miranda Lambert's song "Automatic." It's like you know, I want to go back to when things weren't automatic, but things are always progressing and We're always changing. Back. And literally, that's why I keep coming back to your song "Time Marches On" because it's literally how it always goes. So it's like. You are one of those people that's just like, you just stay true to you, but you've also stayed in it and current and like in the stream. Like, how do you do that? By being realistic about where you are. And, mm. and you know, nobody really talks about this, but you know, I've, I've, after, after, you know, finding who your friends are was the next, was the last big record that I had. And that was all the way back in 07. Was it Kenny Chesney on that one with you? Kenny and Tim. Oh, uh, so and good. and I fought it for the next several years. And you, you won know. awards and everything. You won like group oh, yeah. event the of the year, of the year mm-hmm. ACMCMA. You know, I, I fought it because you spend the bulk of your life. I mean, that was almost twenty years of me being a radio artist, and and I understood that system. I understood how it worked. I understood the promotion part of it. I understood the sales, and you go through this whole thing, and all of a sudden you're not getting that that excitement about feeling a record go up the charts anymore there's a there's a there's a euphoria about it there's a there's a thing that you feel from the crowd you know it feels a little bit different when it hits top 20 and then when it hits 15 then 10 and a top five record has the intensity from the fans start coming up and when it peaks out number one it's like this roller coaster and just go through the ebb and flow of that decompressing from that and feeling like your career is over is a very real thing. How do you, what, has, what was that like for, for oh, you? Oh, it's awful because I kept trying to fight it. It's like I'm on an independent label now and I had my, I had a, a number one record on my own imprint right out of the box. We got this figured out. But do you know how expensive that is to compete against a major label? By, by yourself, nobody, you, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's virtually impossible. 
But what I have found on the backside of it is that once you get comfortable with yourself and you realize that you don't have to play that game anymore, it's almost like you have a resurgence in your career. I felt like my my fan my my hard ticket sales have doubled, um, merch numbers have gone through the roof. It's like people want to hear though. I don't know if it's the time and the passion about the resurgence of the '90s country music that's going on, but but I you know the great thing about country is you can do this for a long time and I've got a body of work to do that with and I don't mm. have to chase anything anymore. I mm. don't have to do it anymore. That's and when you can feeling. finally get to that realization that you stop and you're able to have peace with what you've done and realize that, that that's done and I can let that go and move on, then, then you can really just find happiness in where you're at. And it does, it does find its new path. It does. It's just not the path that you were on, but yeah. maybe a pivot isn't a bad thing. We yeah. always think that like, I mean, Rolling Stones don't put new stuff out. Yeah. Bon Jovi don't put new stuff out. Uh, Leonard I mean, Skinner only did one album no, ever. No. <laughs> I mean, and, and there's nobody in that band that was even on the plane. I know. They still don't sell out arenas. <laughs> I know. Because it's all they need to do. That's it. It's like you don't have to do the same thing that everybody else does. And that's what I'm finally realizing. It's like nobody's plan is the same. Nobody's path is the same. And that's it's right. like you, the main thing, what is success? Success, I feel like, and I would love to hear what you think it is. But to me, it's like, I feel like success is like identifying your passion, pursuing your passion, having it play out to where you feel fulfilled with it, but then also having other parts of your life too, like not sacrificing your mental health, your Absolutely. your emotional health, your family health, your physical health, like your spiritual health. It's like all those things are just as important to having a successful life. Absolutely. Uh, and without those, what do you really have? Yeah. Without your health, you don't have anything. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I see my friend Johnny Lee, and I love him dearly. And John's getting where he can hardly get around, but he still goes out there and tries to sing his songs because he still loves to get out there and get, at least give it a try. Mm. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know what I think about Willie? Willie's 90 years old. I know. 90. He must just love it. It just must be who he is. You know, and I I say this, my wife don't like to hear me say this, (laughs) I hope I die in the back of the bus. I mean, that's where Haggard went, I want to die on the bus, I do. And it's not a romantic thing, it's just, it's where I've spent the bulk of my adult life. It's probably where you're comfortable. It is, that's where I live. You know, know, and I go home and I love my home and I love being with my family and I like having my dogs and all that stuff, but the bus is my world. You love the bus? What do you love about bus life? It it always had this thing to it. I mean, when I dreamed about being successful, I don't think I really dreamed about the marquee or playing in front of stadiums. You hear everybody talk about, I want to fill arenas up. I want to go play Nissan Stadium. I just want to be on the bus. (laughs) I don't know what it was about, you you know, the the whole thing, you know, with everybody partying and drinking and just the mystique of what was going on on the bus. And it was just a strange thing. That's always been my little weird deal. Has it lived up to your dreams? Yeah, Yeah, in more ways than one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's like a little magic time machine. Anything happens on the bus, but nobody knows about it except for the little people in the world. In that little world. Well, not many people get on the bus anymore. There's too many cell phones now. I know. (laughs) I know. It's a different. Back in the 90s. Yeah. you know. 90s were a good time for everybody. (laughs) 90s were a good time. (laughs) 90s were were like a golden era, weren't they? Yes, they they were. And you were like the king of the 90s. Who was the king? uh, Who were were on top? It was you and who? There were people that wouldn't tour with me that were terrified of me. Why? Because I was wild. You were? Oh, yeah. Like, what do you mean? Let me tell you one of my favorite stories. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? We were just at, I've I've been doing some real estate stuff, and we were down in Orlando recently uh, meeting with some some, uh, engineers and stuff for a project that I'm working on, and we'd gone down to Church Street, and I haven't been there in years. They used to have a show called Church Street Station, and I was on the show with not with Radney Foster. This was like probably 92, 93, and so I don't even know what hotel it was right there down in, in uh, Orlando where we were, but we had a group of us had gone back up to the hotel, and we had a card game. A bunch of the, the producers and guys from the set, we had a big card game going on. My tour manager's room was right next to me. We were on the seventh floor, and it was right directly over the swimming pool. Okay, so the TV in my room, for some reason, did not work. So we decided we were going to throw the TV out the window in the pool. Oh I said, God. well, if I'm going to pay for a TV, I'm not going to throw the one that don't work because they're going to have to replace it anyway. Let's throw his out the window. Stop. We threw that TV off the seventh-story balcony right into the middle of the swimming pool. Was anybody in there? No, there's no nobody. It was mid-12, <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning. And when it hit, it landed screen up. And I remember it landed, and it popped the screen out, and it just went. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I, tell me what you loved about that feeling. Just like. Breaking it was so roll. rock and roll. It was so, it was so rock, rock and, roll. and roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then God. you think you hear all those stories about Joe Walsh carrying his tra- chainsaw around in the flight case and stuff and cutting holes between rooms because they couldn't get connecting rooms. You hear Just all doing whatever you want. Whatever you want to. You can't do that you anymore. You can't do it anymore. No, you can't do it but anymore. But you could do whatever you wanted to. And it was yeah, fine. It was, it was cool. That, I think I paid $200 for the TV. They didn't care. I Worth just paid it. for the TV. And now Definitely they got a story. Now, nowadays, they'd prosecute you. But now, but probably then they probably roped, roped off the room. You can pay extra stay in the Tracy Lawrence destroyed TV room. Rock, rock and roll. It's just rock and roll, man. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Gosh. Yeah. Fun times. Okay, so if you're going to sum it up, how do you be a successful, legendary country artist and keep it all so in perspective and truly find happiness like you have? Like, how do you, how, what are your steps to all the people out there? Like, what are some of the... Train stops. Wow. I don't... 
piece of paper out. I might have to write something down. I think I think you have to have a tremendous amount of passion, uh, and a little bit of talent. I don't. I I wonder sometimes how important talent really is because I've seen people that had tremendous amounts of talent that never make it, and people that are just okay that become huge success stories. Okay, what's the difference there? Because passion, passion, and dedication, and and determination not to quit, not to give in to what anybody else says. So, like, if you have the passion and dedication. And you play that out and let that out. That's going to win over talent. I think in some situations, yes, and not if you're an athlete or whatever. But I think in the music business, yeah, I, I I think you have to have some talent. But there's there's a, there's some people that have been very successful in this business. I mean, like Nicky Six, he can't even play the bass guitar. I mean, come on now. I mean, they they taught him how to play in the studio. He can't even play. But he's got it. But he's got it. But he's not a musician, and he'll tell you that. What is it? I don't know. But you can see it. You, you can see it across it. the room. You can see it when somebody has it. You know it. When some kid walks in and they have it, you can see that presence on stage. And you've always had it. You have. I, I think. No, you have. Some, I, I, I guess. Yeah. I've always had something. I've always had some kind of aura around me. I really always have. I've always felt it. But you have to keep it. that alive. Oh, yeah, you have to nurture it. And, uh, you know, like uh, like they say, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Really? You think your talent, if someone's given a talent and it's not, like, what? break that down a little bit. Yeah, well, if, if you have a God-given talent but you don't really have the passion, God's not going to continue to nurture that talent if it's not something that you really feel in here. He'll let you move on to something else. And that's okay. Because, I mean, you can only have, I mean, how much can you really have? I mean, so, like, you think that, like, it's not a bad thing. It's like, okay, you were given yeah. this passion, but if that's not really what you want to, or this talent, but if that's not really what you want to put your passion on, yeah. something else will pop up. Yeah. And it's all fine. My baby sister, when I was 14 years old, she's six years younger than me, and the, I played the county fair and talent show, and I played my guitar, and I sang a song that I wrote, and she used a piano accompaniment, and she sang The Rose by Bette Midler, and mm. she beat me. She's very talented, always was. But she didn't care about doing this. Mm-hmm. It's never in her heart. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. She had the talent. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I just can't thank you enough for joining me, Tracy. Like, thank you're you. so inspiring. It's really kind of phenomenal that you're just sitting here in my house, like, well, hanging thank out. You. Thank you for doing this. I enjoyed this. it. I thank enjoyed you for the it. Opportunity. I always wrap up with one question, which is leave your light. And basically, after after all of this that you've been on, this journey, this amazing ride, that you're still very much on. What do you want people to know? Oh my gosh. Mm. I think the most important stuff for me, for people to know about me now is that I'm very passionate about other people and uh, hopefully I'm gonna leave it the we world a little, bit, li- little bit better place than I found it. I wanna leave it a little bit better than I found it uh, and that I can continue to do things that have more substance to them that uh, will be around long after I'm gone. Like Mission Possible, your charity. You've raised like $2 million for homelessness. And you just started that because you felt called to do it. There were things in the family that were kind of pushing us in that direction. And it started off just a very innocent thing with a handful of friends. and, And it's turned into this big, massive, extremely unique thing that's still growing. That's incredible. Okay, I'm going to ask one more question of that because I think this is an important one. How do you know when you're supposed to be doing something and how do you know when you're not? Like, what's your guidance system? Like, starting that, you didn't, like, have a big plan for it. You started it. It felt right. It was on your heart. But, like, how do you know when you're supposed to be doing it and when you're not, when the door's open and when the door's closed? You know, uh, 
I didn't really know what it was that we were starting. I just wanted to be able to try to drive awareness to a situation that I had that was touching my heart. Didn't really know what it meant or where it was going to go. But there have been a couple of times over the years when I've I've kind of got burnt out that I felt like uh, I was being taken advantage of or there were people in certain things that we were working with that really didn't appreciate what we were doing or uh, and, and I've almost walked away from the, from it a couple of times. But as we've made it through a couple of those bumps in the road and really kind of got more control of it where I have my hands on what's happening around me, I, I feel much more comfortable about it. But you never know. I mean, sometimes you just, just get burnt out on things. Yeah. It's just part of it. I mean, and, and the shelf life of a charity organization, some, sometimes 10 to 15 years, it can, it can run, run, it, run its course. You know, June Jam ran its course. But look at the legacy Randy Owen left behind because of oh, all yeah. that and, and the partnership that he created with St. Jude's from what he did. I mean, that's a tremendous legacy. But using your talent, your platform to like have that kind of create that kind of opportunity and that awareness. And that's really cool. That's really cool. It takes a lot of energy. I know that takes yes, a lot of energy. Well, hopefully there will be another artist in the very near future. And we're actively looking for who that person might be that will have the passion that I do about it because I'm not going to be able to do it indefinitely. You can pass but the torch. That I can pass the torch. That's awesome. And, and, and move it on. That's what we hope. That's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I Thank enjoyed you. every second of this. And also, you have a new album. Just came out? Uh, no, Just I had my up. 30th anniversary album. Uh, we dropped three records a couple of years ago. Yeah, three parts. I haven't been. I'm, I'm trying to get back into writing songs. I, I mean, don't think I'm, you ever have to write another song got, if you don't want to. You've covered yeah, You've done it. I, but I need to for my own creativity. Yeah. Right now, i got a real estate development. i got a podcast. i got a radio show. I'm touring 100 days a year. i got graduations coming up. i got things going, got on. Things going on. And 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 for me to start writing songs again, I have to stop doing some other things because I have to focus on being creative again and I have to shut some things down and I'm just I, I don't have the luxury of being able to do that right now and there's so I'm seasons. just kind of riding it out yeah. hey I love your podcast thank you I love it are you loving doing that I do you just go on the road and people who are on the road with you just we're doing them. some of it on the road uh but I'm also doing it right there at the house I have a bus pad and everything where I keep my coaches and I'm able to sit because I have to set up everything every time we do it so I've got multiple cameras and a mixing desk and audio desk and all that stuff so I have to set it up so it's easier to do it at home where I can set it up and we can do two days back to back and mm -hmm. bring several artists in and then tear it down and box it all up. When I'm on the road, uh, sometimes you might get one artist if you're at a festival or something, uh, but it but it's very limiting. Yeah. So, but we're trying to schedule more stuff in town. But, it's so uh, but the good. vibe of the front lounge is very cool. It's, it's so good. It's got its own charm. It's so good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy. This is awesome. Truly enjoyed every second. Really appreciate you and Thank all you. that you've done for all of us with your music. Thank you, dear. Bye. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 